Welcome to Awaken to Grace. Today we come to what, for me, is one of the most intriguing kings of the Bible. His name was Manasseh. He was the son of Hezekiah, and perhaps he was the most wicked king ever produced in the nation. Well, Manasseh is the king with a surprise ending. While most kings started off doing what was right and then ending up off track and doing what was evil, Manasseh is the exact opposite. He began as one of the most wicked kings ever, but he ended up repenting and ultimately coming back to the Lord. The Bible says he greatly humbled himself. Well, today we are going to study the principles out of the life of this very intriguing king named Manasseh on this edition of Awakened to Grace. I'm going to call today the king with a surprise ending. And I don't know if the Lord has ever given me a more fresh word than he has today. And I don't know who I'm preaching to. And I don't know who this word is for. But this is what I know. I know the Lord has been speaking to me all morning, telling me many things. I know the Lord woke me up at 3.30 this morning. And before I even opened my eyes, the Lord said, Breakthrough in Babylon. The Lord is going to teach us breakthrough today. The Lord is going to teach us what it means when our life feels like it's in shambles. What it is when you're in a place of desperation. What it is when it looks like there isn't any hope and all you see are ashes and everything is burned down and it feels like everything in your life is irreplaceable. No, I'm telling you, the Lord can bring you to a place where he can turn everything around, just like he did Manasseh. Now, there are going to be principles we're going to learn on the way. The main lesson we learn of Manasseh's life is that while there is forgiveness of sin, it does not cancel out the consequences for sin. But what we are really going to learn, the main takeaway, is that God is faithful even when we are faithless. We're going to learn today that even in the midst of evil and even in the midst of wickedness, even in the midst of wrong decisions, even in the midst of sinning with a high hand, even in the midst of intentional sin, you know what? God still keeps His covenant. God still remains faithful to His people, as we are going to see in the life of King Manasseh. Look at chapter 33, 2 Chronicles, verse number 1. Like all of the kings, we get the backstory. Manasseh's born. Remember his father, Hezekiah, who we just spent two weeks with. Remember Hezekiah was given an early death sentence, approximately 39, 40 years old. He was going to die with a terminal illness. And he prayed and God extended his life 15 years. And then, uh-oh, no, I, the way I read it, he was a nut-oh baby. I don't know. But here comes Manasseh. 
the uh-oh baby. I mean, you don't have to, you know, be good at math to do the math. He was given 15 years, and now he's 12 years old when he becomes king. Hezekiah had Manasseh during that 15-year extension. And now this man, the greatest king Israel produced since Solomon, Hezekiah, the king that pleased the Lord, the king that walked with God, the king that defied all of the odds because we studied his father Ahaz, who was completely wicked. You remember how wicked Ahaz was? He burned his earlier sons, alive as a pagan sacrifice. Wicked man. You remember, Ahaz refused the help of the Lord. God said, I'll give you a sign. Ask me for anything. As low as Sheol, as high as heaven, ask me for anything. And what did he see? What did he say? No thanks. He had no confidence in God. He had every confidence in foreign gods. Idolatry. Hezekiah burst onto the scene and God brought such revival to the land through Hezekiah and the man walked with God and the man pleased God to the point that even God changed his mind and reversed the death sentence because Hezekiah walked with God. Hmm. But now we come to chapter 33, Hezekiah has died 15 years later. His son Manasseh takes the throne at only 12 years old, and he's going to reign for 55 years. He's going to have a long kingship. And it tells us in verse 2 that he did what was evil in the sight of God. He was a wicked, wicked man. Let me tell you the principle we learn. I want you to note this first. Number one, please note this. Do not take for granted that your children will grow up to love God. Don't take that for granted. I'm afraid that we as Americans have lost the foresight to share our values, to share our beliefs, to share our convictions with our children. I'm afraid that as Americans, we've handed over the responsibility to schools. We've handed over the responsibilities to whatever media they're consuming. And for many, we've handed the responsibility over to the church when they're only here for 90 minutes a week. You think your children are going to learn to follow Jesus being in church 90 minutes a week? No. Do you know where they're going to learn it? Watching you. Watching you. Watching your life. That's where they're going to get it if they're going to get it. And we have handed off these responsibilities and we've handed off these things just as Hezekiah did. What we learn in the transition between Hezekiah and Manasseh is that Hezekiah failed to hand down his faith. He failed to hand down his values. He failed to give the next generation. Do you remember the fatal flaw to Hezekiah last week? He showed the Babylonians all of his kingdom. And Isaiah said, what have you done? And he said, the Babylonians are going to take everything captive. And you remember what Hezekiah said? As long as there's peace and security in my day. Could we 
be that selfish as well? As parents? As grandparents? Are we doing everything in our power to leave a legacy? Could it be that we're just like Hezekiah? And we are going to forfeit the next generation. And our attitude in reality is let them fend for themselves. Is anyone with me today? We better not take for granted that our children will love God the way we do. What would have happened? What would have been different in this kingdom? Had Hezekiah said, I'm going to take these last 15 years and I'm going to give toward this next generation. I'm going to invest in the next generation. It would have been far different. So verse 2, he's wicked. Verse 2, he does what's evil in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 3, 4, 5, we see he... He takes the altars and he takes the things that Hezekiah did and he removes them and he breaks them. And what does he do? He brings all the idolatry back. He puts it back in the high places. He's going to put it back in the temple. He's going to completely lead Israel astray. He's going to bring in strange altars. He's going to forsake the altar of the Lord. And verse number six, we see the height of his wickedness. Verse number 6, just like his grandfather Ahaz, he is going to burn his sons as a pagan sacrifice. He's going to get steeped into what the Bible calls fortune-telling, divination, sorcery, mediums, witchcraft. All of these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And let me just say this because anytime I come to these texts throughout Scripture, it is always an opportunity for me to warn you pastorally. Drop those horoscopes. Have nothing to do with tarot cards. Have nothing to do with psychics. Have nothing to do with palm reading. You know why? Because the Bible identifies it as divination. It's evil unto the Lord. And for us as Christ followers to look at a horoscope every day, it is an insult to God Almighty. Perhaps you don't realize this. Perhaps you've been doing that and 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 you've never been taught that. You've never been told that. Friends, it's called divination. And it's wicked. If you have a Ouija board in your home, you should get rid of it this afternoon. If you have tarot cards or anything like that of of divination or of sorcery, you better junk it. You better junk it. Let me tell you, that's why I don't follow Harry Potter. It's why I don't have anything to do. I don't have anything to do with divination in any way or sorcery in any way. Because look at the end of verse 6. You know what those things do? They provoke the Lord and they anger the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I will rid my life of it and I'll have nothing to do with it. So verse 6, we see the height of his arrogance and we see the height of his sin and he's in all this paganism and he's steeped in all this divination and he angers the Lord. Are there things in our lives that are displeasing to God? Let me tell you, I, I don't want to be comfortable with those things. I want God to shine his light on me. And I want God to say, Chad, I don't like that. Chad, this displeases me. Chad, 
remove that. Doesn't the Bible say, I love this verse in Proverbs. It says, uh, don't be like the mule who's stubborn. And don't be like the horse that just has to have a bit in its mouth. It said, no, God says, I'll guide you with my eye. Boy, I love that verse. Can God just guide you with his eye? Can he just look at you in a certain way? You remember growing up how your parents could just look at you in a certain way? They didn't have to say anything. Come on. You know, do you have parents like that? I want the Lord just to be able to look at me in a certain way. And I go, oh, Lord, yeah, no. I know that. I know you don't like that. You, you, you know what I try to do with my kids? I, I, I know that yeah, you know how children are. You tell them, I don't like that. Stop that. What does it make them want to do? All the more, right? There's a little phrase that I like to use with my kids. You know what that phrase is? I prefer. I'd prefer for you not to listen to that. I'd prefer for you not to talk that way. I'd prefer for you to think about it like this. Why? It teaches them to reason. It teaches them to know. See, and, and, and that's, I think, I think if, if we would open our life to the Lord today, from what we listen to, to maybe what we're watching, to maybe even things like horoscopes or things that maybe we thought were quite innocent. I think if we were to open our life to those things today, you know what I think the Lord would say? I don't think he's, I don't think he's got these lightning bolts that he's getting ready to whew, strike you with. No. I think the Lord would say, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer you not to do that. Anybody with me today? Amen. Boy, I want to be sensitive to the Lord. <laughs> I want to be sensitive to him. And so... Verse number six, we see the height of where he is. Somebody tell me verse seven. Help me, help me with the beginning part of verse seven. Ah, oh, so he makes this carven image. He puts it in the temple. And what does he say? Oh, this is so important. He says, Jerusalem is where I've chosen forever and ever. Jerusalem matters to the Lord. Jerusalem matters to him. From that day all the way to this day, and even into the millennial kingdom, Jerusalem will forever be the city of the Lord. Do you know the Bible is a tale of two cities? Babylon, beginning all the way back with the Tower of Babel, and Jerusalem. And all through the Bible, all the way through, remember our great study of the book of Revelation? Do you remember what happens when Babylon finally falls? We'll see it from heaven. And we'll shout hallelujah. And what happens in the grand finale of human history? The new Jerusalem descends. The Bible from beginning to end is a tale of two cities. Babylon and Jerusalem. And the sin that Manasseh makes is he brings all of this idolatry. He brings all of this sorcery. He brings all of these uh, fake altars. And he puts them, this great carven image, and he puts it in the temple. And God says, no, this is verse 3 and verse 7. Jerusalem is where God has chosen. The center of the earth. It's where he has eternally and forever chosen to place his name. That's a big verse. Verse number 8, we see the conditions of God's blessings, the conditions of God's promises. What does he say? He say, listen, I'll keep you in the land and I'll protect you and I'll bless you as long as you do what? As long as you stay faithful to the Lord. As long as you stay righteous. There are conditions to God's blessing. Do you realize that? 
See, some, please hear my heart today. Some of us are asking God to bless us, but our actions are absolute contrary to the fact that he can't do that. Many of us, we have God's hands handcuffed. He wants to bless you. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to work in your life. He wants to do great things for you. But your sin doesn't allow him to. Because he's not going to bless you in the midst of sin. Can we say amen today? Oh, I want to receive this word today. I, I, I don't, I, listen, I don't want to harbor sin over here and then try to trust Jesus over here. It's not going to work that way. And this is Manasseh. And he says, listen, I'll protect you and I'll bless you. I love my people, but I'm not going to do it over your sin. There are conditions to it. This story is paralleled in 2 Kings chapter 21. And in verse 13, I want you to write down our second principle. In verse number 13, God says, I am going to judge Judah. And this is, oh boy, it puts a shudder down my spine. Here's what he says. He says, I'm going to wipe you like a dish and turn you upside down. I want you to note this principle. Manasseh should have been able to look to the northern kingdom. Because you know what happened? In his father's lifetime, the northern kingdom is done. It's gone. It's wiped out. God allowed them to be taken off captive. Manasseh should have been able to look at the calamity of the north. He should have been able to look up to the north and say, I don't want to end up like they did. And he should have recharted his course from there, but he didn't. And God says, I've given you time. I've given you warnings. I've spoken and you will not listen. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wipe you like a dish and turn you upside down. Oh, oh my. Manasseh was so wicked. Verse number 16 of 2 Kings 21, it says that he filled the streets of Jerusalem with innocent blood from end to end. Do you know what Jewish tradition tells us? In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about great martyrs of the faith. And it says some were sawn asunder. Some were literally sawn in two. And do you know what, do you know what Jewish history tells us? Do you remember who was the primary prophet under King Hezekiah? The prophet Isaiah. And history tells us, tradition tells us, Manasseh had Isaiah sown in two. We believe that's where Hebrews 11 is referencing the martyrdom of Isaiah. He was a wicked man. And God says, I'm going to bring such judgment on you. That I, it's going to be as though I'm wiping a dish and turning you upside down. And God said the judgment is going to be so severe that every ear that hears it is going to tingle. God's not playing around. God is going to judge this wickedness. Now go back to 2 Chronicles 33. Verse number 9. What is the result? What is the result of this? Rather than repentance? No. It says that King Manasseh led Israel further into idolatry. And how steep did it go? The Bible says that they were such a wicked people that it exceeded the nations whom the Lord destroyed. In other words, they were more evil than the most evil nation on the earth at that time. 
They were more wicked than the pagans, than the people who were the worst of that day. They exceeded it. Verse number 10. Like beacons of warning, God sent them prophets. God tried to warn the people. God tried to warn King Manasseh. And what does the word say? No one would listen. Does that not sound like our day today? Does it not sound like this culture today? Let me tell you, we may have slick technology, but human nature has not changed at all. So verse number 11, God allows the king of Assyria to come and with bronze chains they capture King Manasseh. And now God is going to reconcile the account. Now judgment has come. And the Bible says that King Manasseh, this man who has the heritage of Hezekiah, he is led off into captivity into Babylon. Do you remember what Isaiah prophesied to Hezekiah? You opened up Babylon. You showed him everything. He said, your very sons will be led off into captivity. Now that's going to be fulfilled much later under King Nebuchadnezzar. But see, here are the seeds beginning to sprout. And so Manasseh finds himself, verse 11. He is now in captivity this man who could have been a great king, this man who could have walked in the ways of the Lord, this man who had everything spiritually at his fingertips, this man who inherited everything spiritually from his father Hezekiah, and he despised it all, he walked away from it all, he rejected it all, now he is led into captivity, and here he is in Babylon itself. What did we say? The Bible is a tale of two cities. Because he brought the carven images into Jerusalem, because he brought idolatry into Jerusalem, God allowed him to slide captive into Babylon. But see, this king surprises me above all other kings. There's no other king that surprises me more than Manasseh. I want you to look at verse 12. <laughs> Now, he had to have learned something from his father. Because when he was at the lowest of all low, when he was at the place of what the Bible calls in his despair, in his distress, in his desperation, what did he do? He called out on the name of the Lord. What did he do? Verse 12, the Bible says he greatly humbled himself. Let me tell you, the Lord spoke to me so early this morning. It was nowhere on my radar until the Lord spoke to me so strongly. I don't know who's here today. I don't know who's watching online today. But some of you, I believe many of you, you feel like you are in spiritual captivity. You feel like the enemy has come into your family and he has stolen everything that he can steal. He's walked into your life. He's walked into your spiritual life. And he has stolen from you. And everything in your life feels as though you're in captivity. Even your very spiritual life feels like a foreign land. 
If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.